And welcome back to the New Republic podcast. We've had a bit of a change of name. Used to be called New Republic podcast, but we thought it'd be cooler if we call it the Digital Growth Hacking Podcast. Huh? Give you a second just to enjoy and marinate on that. Growth and hacking. We're going to hack growth today. And like usual, uh, I'm being joined by two very special guests. First one you all know is Stacy, my co-founder and partner in crime on this podcast. Stacey, you want to say hi? Hi, everyone. And we've got a very special guest, the original growth hacker herself, Ashley from Amy. Ash, you want to say hi? Hi. Thanks for having me. Not at all. What a pleasure. And of course, you know me, Nimi Yassini, founder, co-founder of New Republic. And uh, I'm going to take you through everything about experimentation, personalization, and that little ugly word, CRO. Ash, do you think CRO is ugly? No, not at all. I, I don't know. I could talk about this type of stuff for ages. I call it psychology, to be honest. You know, the behavior people have online is so interesting, you know, and I really observe different people, like some of my friends that are, still haven't downloaded Viber, which came in and has left, you know, five years ago. Viber. And yeah. then, you know, the old WhatsApp type of texting platform, and then my dad who behaves online and then me who's, you know, very tech savvy. I think there's just a lot of like psychology, the way, the way people behave is really, really interesting. So that's what CRO is to me. Really nice. I really like that. That's we had nice. Simon from HCF who said CRO is for people who have gambling addictions. It has this, oh, and this I definitely idea have of a gambling winning and losing. With CRO. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I think we're off to a warm start. I think let's start. I know it might be nice, you know, uh, everyone knows Amy. It's a cool brand, but you know most of us don't know you, and you're in the background doing stuff that makes us love that website even more. So I thought maybe you want to give it a bit of a background into yourself, what you do in the business, and how you've arrived here today. Yeah, so um, I work for the SunCorp Group. I've been working for them for the last two years, um, and they manage Amy Insurance. Um, and my particular role is as a senior digital product owner. And I won't pretend to think that anybody has any idea what that means because this role is name is different in every company you look at. But basically, a day-to-day for me looks like I'm essentially managing the Amy Insurance website. I've got a huge team around me and conceptualizing ideas, bringing them to life to essentially get to the goal of helping more people buy insurance online. It could also be renewing online, claiming online, and just improving, a, creating a really good customer experience. A typical day for me, just recently, we redesigned the homepage. So we knew that this needed a really big uplift. We use all of our analytics, our user research, um, all of our previous tests we went through and we created a A-B test. So version A was our current version of the test and version B was our new version of the test. So a brand new design and content. And we showed each to 50% of the customers. And then I go away, squirrel away in the background and look at the metrics and see how people engage with the website, what happens in the back end. And um, when you've got, you know, millions of people visiting the Amy website every day, you get results really, really quickly. So it's really interesting to see. We're very lucky on such a big brand that we get results quickly. I'm on the site now. It actually looks, I really love that header. So powerful. You mentioned that you've obviously been doing testing. So uh, like, do you do it in-house? How long have you been doing it for? Like, what's the setup? We have our own testing and personalization team. I guess we're a bit more mature than that. You know, every person in the 
and the whole company is responsible for testing. You know, we're all responsible. It's not really just even testing. It's about learning, you know, like what is that next thing that we've learned and keep moving from there. Um, so yeah, we have a testing personalization team. We then also have all of these digital product owners that also manage different brands and different assets. So we're learning on each platform. And then we have some help from some agencies outside as well to help us with that delivery too. And how long have you been doing testing for? Is this a new thing or have you been, is, has Amy been doing it for years? We've been doing it for years and I'd say that the whole company is quite supportive of testing program. Definitely been just increasing more and more as time goes on. Um, yeah, we definitely have some really smart people that we work with um, and everyone's really on board with, I guess, getting the right outcome for customers and also the outcome for the business. You know, at the end of the day, we do still need to make sales. So, you know, a lot of the key things are governed by that, um, but very much a customer-focused business as well. And does that mean that you've got all the resources in-house? Like, do you have strategists? Do you have, like, UX designers? Do you have developers that you can kind of streamline that all in-house? Or do you have to do some things in-house and then some outsource to agencies or other other resources? Yeah, we're becoming really quite capable in-house. So I guess if, you know, you put me into a role in a bucket, then I'm pretty much, you know, your strategist. Um, we have designers in-house, we have copywriters, we have all of our legal teams, our product teams actually design our actual products. Um, we create all of our own tests. Um, and then we set up the A-B testing in-house. We do the reporting as well. Um, so we do get a bit of a support. So, you know, for example, sometimes we need to scale up and that's when we get some agency help as well. But, you know, a lot of it we can pretty much do in-house ourselves. How do you keep check? Like, you know, this, this category is evolving, you know, rapidly. Technology is evolving, techniques and so forth. How do you, how do you stay abreast of the next thing? Because sometimes I find like if you, you have an in-house team, you become so focused on doing experimentation on your own thing that you, you know, sometimes it's good to kind of go, well, what else is out there? How do you guys do that? What is that where the agencies get involved and they go, Hey, have you seen this cool thing over here? Look how shiny and amazing it is. And you're like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Let's do that. How does that bit work? Yeah, it's interesting. I guess um, I didn't really come from the digital world to begin with. And I don't really know if many people do come from the digital world to begin with. We all kind of like have a past. And I think that helps play into how we look and see the world so, for example, I'll be in a cafe and I'm like, oh, this is a great user experience. Look at us all using these QR codes. This is going to really change the way that we now behave online and how we're willing to fill out forms and give away details. It's really going to change the experience. So just kind of um, I don't think you can rely on any one source for your ideas, but I guess taking that time to be creative and taking that step away to be like, okay, so what is the next big thing or what are we going to try next? I came to this point, yeah, a couple of months ago where I was like, all right, I need a real injection of, you know, ideas. So I took pretty much a week where I just, you know, scanned all websites, not just insurance. I went broad. I was just like being really aware when I was outside and having different experiences through life because it's the same thing for any customer. A customer doesn't just have a one experience through like websites they have the same experiences through all facets of life it just happens to be on digital that was a very uh, impressive response i really like it <laughs> but it's true like a lot of people like they're not what i find really lacking in the corporate world is curiosity and like if you think about it as kids we're taught to be curious and ask questions you know when like my little boy's about to become three and everyone knows that three to four, everything is why that curiosity factor just grows even further. But then at one point we get told not to ask why anymore. And I, I really love that because experimentation is all about the why, you know, why are they behaving that way? And why aren't they behaving this way? And, and 
I love your, your comment about QR codes. I mean, I'm old enough to know everyone thought QR codes the next big thing and then it died. And then COVID, I'm going to go and invest in a QR code company. So it's, it's interesting, you know, ideas come from everywhere and it's the ability to be open to receiving that message to be able to go, hey, maybe that might, putting a QR code on my homepage might actually deliver me some kind of result in testing that. Love that. That's a really good, really good answer. I think it's really cool as well because I think that's, I know for, from our experience, you know, when the UX designers do the competitor analysis or we look outside of the industry or look at different, you know, as you said, you can be in a cafe, you can, you can get inspiration from everywhere, but sometimes that's where you get that really interesting insight rather than always just looking at your website or within your own category can be quite limiting. So sometimes the answer is there, but you've, you've got to look a little bit. I remember when I first started and I, was, I started in UX, you're right. That was my background. And um, someone told me this technique called shadowing. Have you guys ever heard of shadowing for a retailer? And I literally followed a customer through a store. It was creepy. Don't get me wrong. It was definitely a really creepy activity <laughs> to do, but just watching how someone moves through a store got me to understand how they navigate. And then I went, onto the website and went, how is the website navigating the same thing as the retail store? And how do you, because retailers really get, if you buy, if you pick up a pair of pants here, by the time you get to the change room, you've either picked up a t-shirt, a shirt, a belt, and depending on what the outfit is, potentially a tie. And so they just knew how to orchestrate. And then when you go on the website, it doesn't behave that way. It doesn't orchestrate that way. It was like, how do you, how do you make these things work? So I, I really love that idea of looking outside the normal to find it. So um, Ash, I'm, curious and the reason why i really wanted you to come on as soon as i heard this ash told me this this story about a method that she uses on how she i i call it the page hierarchy how she designs a page hierarchy and runs that into experimentation anyway i had to have it explained to me like three or four times and, and to be honest I, I still kind of feel like i don't 100 percent get it but it's it's super cool it is like one of the coolest things i've heard in a long time and it's so different to anything else i've heard now ash is going to kind of play really cool with it and say, oh, it wasn't me and give credit to other people. But I think she's really brought it to life. So I thought maybe for a few minutes, can you just walk us through this technique that you use on the Amy website? And maybe just, if you can, dumb it down a bit because most people will not understand it at first. And I'm going to try and ask questions so we can kind of break it down a bit more. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, love to. Okay, over to you. Um, yeah, so it's called the Ace, King, Queen, Jack framework. So it's all about leading with your aces doesn't just need to be applied for like website design. It's just really about creating a really clear hierarchy and kind of learning from it as you go. So without the visuals in front of us, an example is that your top of your page is your ace, so your website banner. And then the next section on your page is your king, your king content. So what have you deemed as your king? The next piece of content is your queen and your next piece of content is your jack. And so, you know, what is your ace, king, queen, and jack? Well, your ace is your most important content, king is your next, your queen, and then your jack is your least important content. And it's really interesting on how you come up with that. On that ace, king, queen, jack, do you always have to have those on the page or is it, can it just be ace, king, and queen? Does it always have to have a jack? No, and it's essentially like, you know, working out your most important to your least important content and just being ruthless with that. And you don't have to hit that order specifically every time. For example, you might have cues of your jack that come further up. But essentially, when you look at a page, you can generally see that order. You may have other content as well that you don't deem as any of those categories, but you need to have them on the page. But they would all sit below. It's a way of prioritizing the page. 
Yes, that's right. Yeah. I'll give you some examples of what we use as our Ace King Queen Jack content for the Amy Car Insurance page and I'll help play into um, you know, why we chose those. So how we decided the Amy Insurance Ace. So we took the car insurance, for example, and we got a couple of other teams in the room. We got our product team and our marketing team and digital. And we said to them, what's the most important thing to customers? Um, to our Amy Insurance, car insurance customers, what is the absolute most important thing? And we found up for a little while, you know, going back and forward on different proof points and value points that we had. And in the end, we landed on the Amy brand. You know, it seems simple, but um, the Amy brand is so important to us. We are a national insurer. Everyone recognizes us. And market research tells us that as well. Research tells us that the Amy brand is the most recognizable brand in market. We've got the Lucky You With Amy tagline, the Amy girl, the funny ads. Everyone remembers Amy insurance. And so we wanted to make sure that customers at a glance within half a second recognizes Amy as soon as they see the page. So you'll notice that on each one of our banner images and each one of the banner sections on the website really screams Amy. You can't miss it. Um, so we've got, you know, lifestyle imagery of the Amy girl. We've got taglines saying lucky you're with Amy. We make sure we hit all of those aspects um, in the top section. As you can imagine having a couple of tabs open, got a couple of competitors, really easy to miss us if we don't highlight that clearly. We'd just be, you know, in with the other masses. So we went and tested this as well. I put in some more stock-like imagery. Um, it still had an Amy feel, but it didn't scream Amy at a glance. And it had a huge decline in sales. I was actually gobsmacked on how big of a difference it had. Um, and yeah, so it just made me really, really sure that we've got the absolute perfect ace for our pages and makes me sure that I'm not gonna go and switch it out for anything. So. If another stakeholder it, or marketing team asks me to promote their campaign and it doesn't have the Amy goal in it, I'm going to say to them, it's probably not going to sit there on the page. It's, it's not the most important thing to customers. So is it, is it the girl or is it the girl and the line, lucky you're with Amy? Is it the two in combination or is it just the girl herself? No, I think it's the two in combination um, and just really kind of bringing the marketing ads to life but online. So everyone remembers the marketing ads. How do we bring that essence to the website? It just makes you feel happy. It does. You know, you sing the song when you come to the website and you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. This is a really interesting one for me because obviously coming from a design background, the, the aesthetic of a beautifully designed website is just as important as the conversion rate. So I always love hearing about this. And so this is really interesting to me. So when you say you have to have the brand, you know, at, at what kind of balance is it about, you know, best practice in UX against the brand? Like, could you get away with doing a beautiful brand website, but then not have the call to actions and not have the UX best practice? Or is it really a combination of both? Or do you still have to have like 70% kind of, you know, best practice, but then make sure you've got that 30% of brand in there? It's really a blend. I guess, you know, when I talk to our UX designers, um, they've worked on Amy for ages, so they, they've learned so much over time, but they know that they have to hit as many brand elements in that top section of the page as reasonable. You know, at the same time, we still need to make a functional website as well um, where customers can achieve the goal that they're here to achieve. You know, they're not here to look at a pretty website necessarily. They're, you know, here to buy insurance. They're sitting on the couch watching, you know, The Bachelor and they're trying to just get their insurance done. They just want it to be easy, make sense. 
you know, hit the messages that they're after. So you're still going to have all those, you know, the, the call to actions, the messaging above the fold, all that kind of stuff, but it's got to be done or designed in a way where you're definitely showcasing that brand. Yeah, absolutely. So that's your ace. Yes. So um, our king content uh, is make it simple, or uh, make it easy and be transparent. And those things are polar opposites of the spectrum. Make it easy is all about short and simple. If someone's listening to this, they go, I'm going to use that. King isn't about simple and, you know, easy. It could be something else for someone else. For you guys, it's about simple and easy. Is that right? Or is yeah, it it's always absolutely. simple and easy for King content? Okay. So it really comes down to what your... Absolutely. It really comes down to your business. And there's no cut and hard fast of like what should be your ace and what should be your king. But for us, we've done themes. So for example, our ace is brand. And then our king is all about how can we make it easy and be transparent? So how can we get that across to customers? So make it easy is all about keeping it simple. Being transparent is about giving too much information. You know, so much information, it's almost complicated. So how do we make those things work harmony together? You know, customers, insurance, buying insurance is boring. You don't want to, we want to make it really, really easy for customers. But also people have usually a negative experience with insurance. And so we want to be really transparent. But how do we balance that? So we created um, with our UX teams and with our content teams, we worked really, really hard to create a product panel that was really short and succinct that you could glance at the product at a glance. So you've got a tick list, you've got dot points of just how, or, you know, what's included. So you can glance at the product, get an overview, a quick summary, is this for you and go and get a quote. But you've also got anchor links that jump down further that kind of give you the real legal jargon but in bite-sized information. So you've got the option to get more transparency if you want. And you can go through more details about the product and go through a bit of a deep dive. So the way we laid out that was really important um, that we got that perfect balance. And that's never easy. You know, you've got a lot of content that you need to get across to customers, but the same, we know that customers don't read. So how can we keep it really short and succinct that they absorb all this information? Did you get to these kind of these criteria by testing? Did you like test a whole bunch of stuff and you said, you know what, King is anything that's simple for us. Like it, it needs to be every time we do stuff that, so first we tested the brand, every time the brand existed, didn't exist, we had a drop. And then you went, right, what's, what is the King content? Did you define it and then test it and refine that definition? Or did you have the definition you just stuck to that we've made had a lot of tests over time over the last couple of years where we've learned different things and what should be first and what should be second we've definitely validated it for example we've validated the ace and anything any other time that something else comes in i'll a b test it to double check that this is you know still relevant but make it easy was a and it was quite an easy one for us because um, as our digital team you know we're all about how can we make the most the easiest experience um, and that's our real core goal with digital is just how can we make the experience as easy as possible for customers it doesn't need to be hard so um, that one was quite easy for us to get to I said easy way too many times <laughs> I think as a user it's you've got that especially with insurance you've got that balance of as you said making something scannable but then you have to have all the t's and c's and all the information and people's you know, the attention span is, is so short nowadays. So I can imagine with insurance, it's mm. quite challenging to make it look really easy and scannable. But at the same time, you know, you don't want to be, um, you know, not providing all the information because otherwise people would just bounce off the page and think, oh, this is all too hard. Okay, so that's that's King. What is our, what so is our, our queen, queen so? content for Amy Car Insurance is rewards. 
Um, we have done specific testing on this where we've tested rewards um, on car insurance and seen some really big uplifts in um, sales and engagement. Um, customers really like extra when it comes to sort of rewards and car insurance. And it's interesting because I test rewards on our home insurance products and rewards don't really have any impact in the conversion journey. And I think that's really interesting because for me, you know, your car, you're insuring your 10, 20, 30 grand car, whereas your house, you're insuring your half a million, million, multi-million dollar house. Um, you can imagine with your house, you, you want so much more trust, you know, you you want to make sure that the insurer is going to be there when it, you need it. Whereas with car insurance, there's a lot less risk. You're kind of shopping around, you know, what extra is going to, what extra um, am I going to get from this insurer? Are they going to give me something for free? Um, it's a lot easier to switch. So our rewards specifically sits here, but whereas if you look at our home insurance pages, you'll see that rewards section actually sits lower down the page, um, just purposely based on this. That's interesting. The rewards doesn't have that impact. I, I thought it would be. I thought it'd be different on home insurance. It'd be a lot more because you're spending more money. That'd be a lot different. Mm, yeah, really interesting. And yeah. I guess this leads into the Jack content, which is reviews and testimonials and trust messaging. So really nailing that that trust with the customer. Um, and we've done that through providing yeah real time reviews from customers. We're very lucky. We've got quite of you know we've got thousands of reviews. So plenty for customers to compare with. And on when we tested reviews on the car insurance pages, it really had no impact in sales. But when we tested reviews on the home insurance pages, that had a huge impact in sales, a really big uplift. And that makes sense to me that testimonials mean more are more important to home insurance customers and rewards are more important to car insurance customers. And so that's reflected in our page design and our Ace King Queen Jack and the order that it appears on the page because we know that rewards are more important to testimonials on our car insurance pages. Does that mean that on home insurance, testimonials are queens, but on car insurance, testimonials are jacks? Is that is that right? Did I get that Correct. right? That's right. By Joe, I think I've got it. Yeah, how so did you your get, Ace King Queen Jack order this? may... <laughs> Um, yeah, look, I've got a really good friend, Brett Hales, um, and he's an absolute entrepreneur genius. So we used to have coffee all the time. And um, he was telling me about this lead with your aces concept and ace, king, queen, jack strategy. Essentially, he got it from a guy. It was, you know, I guess more streamlined from Paul Tingey in a startup class in San Francisco about leading with your aces and then Brett operationalized it into the ace, king, queen, jack content. And now I've made it to fruition and really tested it online. So essentially it was just an idea. I thought it was so simple and so easy to grasp onto. Um, and you'll see how like I've tested different ones to prove and validate that, yes, this is the order. Um, I can look back at the other stakeholders and, um, you know, when I have conversations with our our sponsorships team and I can say, okay, so, you know, I know we've got the sponsorship coming in, but where does it really fit amongst our Ace, King, Queen, Jack content? Is this the order that customers really need to see content in and leave with that? One thing that I think is really important is that you may think this order could be any page, but I could also go and put in details about the skilled driver program or the claims process or the sponsorship or this offer or, you know, the millions of other things and value points that we have at Amy but I don't. And I personally don't because I've really nailed down the content hierarchy and what needs to come first and stepping customers through a journey on the website 
all that other content can come afterwards, but I'm being very specific upfront with what customers consume at what point. Tell me something, like how long did it take for you to kind of, like did you go, I get it, and I just do it. Like was it a journey to get to what these elements are, like Jack's Queens? Was, was that a journey? And like if it was, how long was it? Was it like a 24-month, 12-month? Yeah, so I guess I started these about a year ago um, and I just rolled out a full-page redesign because you know, at the end of the day, I couldn't just go in and test our king. Our, our pages weren't quite in the state to just go and test one element. Um, so I did a full page redesign, got the pages to where I was. Um, they all saw huge uplift in sales every time I did one of these Ace, King, Queen, Jack page rollouts. And now we've pretty much got most of our website all following the same strategy. Um, and so now we're at a point, a really, I guess, healthy point where we can switch something out and test another thing. Um, but I think we're quite confident in where we've landed. We've had some recent campaigns that have come up and it's just helped to really identify where content belongs and, you know, not just kind of slotting in something and doing a duct tape solution where we put this in there to satisfy this, you know, area of the business. It doesn't work like that. You know what I like about it? You've created a, a community language, common language that anyone can pick up and use it as a way of rationalising the page structure or the advertising campaign. I really love how simple it is, but how powerful it can be. I quite like that it, um, I think it's really clever and I, it makes me think about um, in the last podcast, we were talking to Colin from Go Group and he did this study on all the um, optimization programs you know, around the world and companies that were really accelerating and companies who were a lot slower. And one of the findings was that those that had a northern star or a kind of direction, overarching direction that they were working towards were the ones that saw the most growth. And that kind of resonates with this now because I feel like it just keeps you always coming back to something to answer the question, you know, is it is it following this hierarchy? Is it is it following the, you know, the king, queen, jack? Is, it, is this the ace? It just kind of keeps you, I guess, in check to always come back. And I, I can imagine that it has been quite successful for your program to have, I guess, that Northern style, that overarching, um, you know, guideline to work towards. Yeah, I really like it. So tell me what, okay, we got the benefits. For everything good in life, there's always a negative. What's uh, what's the limitations? What, where, where do you see it falling over? Um, I guess, I don't know. I don't really have any negatives. Um, Nima, I'm a rose-coloured glasses type of person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just drink the water. No, yeah, I, get uh, it. I get it. <laughs> no, I guess, I, you know, well, things I really like about it is it's really simple. Um, I guess one of the hardest things is, you know, we're in a world where people move jobs quickly. You know, I've been in this role for two years. It's almost too long. You know, for example, when if, if I move to another brand, if I move to another brand, then, you know, where does that information go? Um, so I think it can be really difficult to just kind of keep storing it. Um, I think Ace King Queen Jack helps it stay a little bit more stable, helps you bring that IP on the journey with, you know, whoever's going to be looking after it from then on. Um, but there's just so many little nuances to the why we design things in a specific way, why we followed a specific order, um, what we've tested before. So I think with all personalization and testing, there's room for it to fall over just by people moving around. Um, or if I lost my UX designers, I'd be heartbroken because they gained so much knowledge over so much time and, you know, of, um, of different user research. And it's almost impossible to hand that over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. So, so you said that you had gains and I know because we're not going to dive too deeply. Like what is this better than doing like a straight up design and AV testing? Like 
what kind of increase can someone get out of doing a, a Jack King Queen structure, an Ace King Queen structure? Yeah, we saw um, huge uplifts in sales in each one of our pages. Um, I was actually gobsmacked on how big of a change it is um, because, you know, how can, you know, it's essentially the same content that's on the page, but just the different order and just being really ruthless about the design. Um, but yeah, significant uplift and literally seeing the exact similar type of percentage results for each page that we've rolled out. So really impressive. I think it gives us a really good baseline now to test on. Um, so I'm quite happy with the page design and how they're set up. And that's pretty rare for somebody that works on a website to say, because usually as soon as you publish the page, you're ready for it to come down and put up the new one. Um, but it kind of gives me a little bit more guidance of, I think, absolutely what you said, Stacey, you know, your Northern Star is like, this is the direction I'm going. I'm not pulling out the kitchen sink and doing it again. I'm, you know, keep going the same direction. Has it increased your collaboration and reduced your arguments? Yeah, absolutely. I guess um, with our, um, I shared some results with our marketing team the other day about imagery, and I think they were pretty gobsmacked on just how really important that imagery is at the moment um, and for the Amy branch, or well, not at the moment, always, um, you know, how we need to prioritize really, really good imagery. And every time, even though it costs more to go and create that extra imagery for the website, um, it's just vital. So, yeah, I think that's what's so powerful about it because. And that's what we love about CRO is it gives you that data. Whereas like back in the day, you know, working with the US designers or the clients, you know, you'd be designing something that would just be so subjective as to what someone liked and some, what someone didn't. And I think that power of actually being able to show the data now, and I think the really penny drops, you know, and you can get everybody on board when you start to show the data and say, look at this and look how much this is resonating and look at this percentage against something like that. And I think you get everybody on board um, having that data to validate your choices. Did this, Ash, did this work from the day one you started or did you like fail a few times and just not give up and then it started to really bear fruit as you started to figure out what your ace and kings were? Like did you go through a couple of ugly queens before you found the, the humdingers or did you have to kiss a lot of frogs before you found your king? <laughs> get it? See where I'm, anyway, you got it. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I, it was really interesting at the start. Like every now and again, I'd look, we got a big team that works on AV. It's not just uh, me alone. And all of a sudden I'd find that the um, rewards and reviews were sitting around the wrong way. And I was like, wait a minute, who approved that? Like, you know, we, you know, this is the order that it must be in. So I had to keep going back and changing and be like, no, you've decided this order and it's on purpose. So really it's a learning curve um, and almost a governance to keep it like consistent throughout it um so yeah i did i did find that happen a few times i was like wait we tested all this why did it just get changed did you um, go back and test it and prove that they were wrong and show that you were the smartest person in the room with data <laughs> i like it, as much as testing is really good i also think it's really important to do the best thing for customers um so you know if if i'm pretty damn confident that it's the best version for customers um I don't necessarily want 50% of the audience sitting there waiting with the other version. Yeah, so I'm not I guess I'm not out there to prove 100% a hard point on anything because so many things come into it. You know, we've got COVID at the moment. We've got so much different behaviour. Um, Amy's main audience base is Victoria um, and Victoria's in lockdown. So you can imagine that testing right now is just weird. You know, the behaviour is different for car insurance for not using their cars. So, um you can't, I guess, wait for like the perfect, you know, behavior everywhere to go and do all these tests. So um, it's about balancing moving fast, but also being accurate with 
your, I guess, hypothesis of where we've landed. That's really nice. I got one question, nothing to do with asking Queen. Just tell me something, like the Amy girl looks at you, right? And I've done a lot of experimentation at uh, around when you have an image of someone looking at you, you know, we're socially taught to always look at someone's face when we talk, right? And so because she's looking at me, I look at her first rather than some of the other messages. Have you tested Amy girl not looking at you versus looking at you and you found looking at you works? We have definitely user tested where the Amy girl say looks towards um, the, I guess, far side of the banner versus testing. Um, and this wasn't actually a digital test. This was like a user test with in terms of like, you know, real customers um, analyzing it. And to the Amy girl looking at the content. And, you know, I think it's almost just common like behavior. You know, if you're looking in that direction, that person will automatically start looking the, in that yeah. direction. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. The Amy girls you look at because on TV she looks at you and here I was wondering like, has that been tested or was that just something that was just in the creative assets and that's just how it was going to be? Uh, yeah, it's definitely something over time that we've learnt. Um, and then of course, then looking straight at you, they've got a real reassuring feel um, when they're, they're looking directly at you. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the one with the bob hair. I don't know why, she just feels comforting. <laughs> Anyway, so so if if someone wanted to adopt this this way of thinking, have you have you written a white paper? Have you got a book? Is there books? Where do you where do you go besides me giving out your email address and them annoying the shit out of you? <laughs> yeah, well at the moment it's, um, hit me up on LinkedIn and have coffee with me. I could talk about it forever. But also, yeah, Brett and I are also working on a a blog, maybe a book. I, I think we could probably talk about it for forever. Um, so hopefully we'll get that out soon. I guess best way to stay in touch is just to follow me on LinkedIn. I'll be definitely blasting about it when um, when it's available. So basically next time you come on, we'll have to say Ash from Amy and author of Cards of Fate. <laughs> huh? Cards of exactly. Fate. Oh, it's good, right? What, what, yeah, what content will appear? Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, thank you. I trademarked that, by the way. Trademarked that. There's a license fee, but that's okay. We can talk about that later. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm plumb out of questions. I, I love this. I think it's such a, it's such a unique way of doing it. And I think the thing I like most about it is the common language it creates between departments. And it, you can quickly come and learn that, pick that up, and just follow that in design. I mean, this, it, it speeds up design. It reduces friction in people's opinions. I, I just think it's brilliant. It's a really nice model. What do you think, Stace? You liked it? Oh, I love it. I, I really love it. And I love that it, um, I guess, recognises the brand and the importance of brand as well as the user experience side of things. So I think it's fantastic. It kind of makes me think a little bit of... Um, you know, we used to do a lot of um, building of brands from the scratch and um, we used to use archetypes and it kind of reminds me of the archetypes, which was, again, like our kind of northern star to, to you know, really create or identify the different um, one of the 12 archetypes for a, a building a brand and then everything that we designed and every question that we asked and everything would always go back and say, does that meet the maverick or does that meet, you know, whatever archetype that that brand had. So uh, it re I really like it. I think it's very, very clever. And as you said, Neymar, I think it's quite easy and something that everybody can understand. So it's something that I can imagine would resonate with the whole wider yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, love it. Yeah. I do have another example for you because um, I was like, oh, you know, where can you see this across other websites? Because you don't really know when, when a website is terrible, you just 
think it's terrible and you don't really know why. And when a website's great, you don't really know why, you just feel calm. Um, and, you know, a, a classic example is Apple. Um, I was on the Apple AirPods webpage the other day and I just laughed because I just could see their ace so clearly. Um, they are very, very good at just hitting, you know, leading with their aces. Um, if you think about Apple products, your iPhone, your Mac, all of those products make you feel superior to the Android users. The products feel superior, you feel superior, everything is about superiority. And then when I saw the Apple AirPods page, the title was Magic Runs in the Family. And I just thought it was hilarious because I'm like, it talks nothing about the product, it just completely makes you feel superior. Like, you want to be a part of this family and magic runs in it and apparently it doesn't run in any other, you know, um, earbuds, uh, speakers or anything like that kind of other products. And uh, I was like, they've just hit it so clearly. They've made you feel superior once you've landed on the website. And then they make you feel superior when you've got your iPhone or your AirPods or whatever. I think what, I think what you're communicating as well is, um, I guess it shows the maturity of your program because it's something that we um, also do with some of our more mature clients. But we look at the, the actual behavioral science behind, you know, people's usage of brands and the internet, whereas, um, you know, a lot of people, I guess, in their infancy of testing, they look solely at the functionality of the website, the call to action buttons, all that kind of stuff. Whereas we've kind of taken that to the next level as well with some of our more mature clients. But hearing you talk, you know, you're talking about the emotions and the, the actual drivers behind, you know, what your customers do and why. And you can see that that's really at the forefront. So you, you can, it's, it's, it's super interesting. I disagree. I think what Ashley was saying was that people who have, uh, Apple products are superior to people who have Androids. So if there's if there's any listeners who have Androids, Ash basically, you're not good enough. You're not superior. That's so it. drop them. But it is true, right? <laughs> drop them and go get a go get an Apple item. Any Apple item. You'll become magic and superior in just one purchase. <laughs> Apple.com.au but it's so true. Like you look at you look at insurance and you look at Apple, and there's so much of it is um, emotion driving that purchase. I mean, it has to, of course, be a good product. It has to be simple to use and everything. But what is the draw card? As you said at the beginning, what is that ace? Is that emotion that you feel when you look at that beautiful slick, you know, Apple product? Or with insurance, you you absolutely have to connect. There has to be a level of trust. So yeah, it's 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 very interesting. I think I think one of the things that stand out for me, and we, I mean, this is it's a different discussion. Thank God we're changing the name to growth hacking uh, because it now fits more. But I think a lot of things, if you look at uh, what Apple does, Apple doesn't sell you a device. It sells you an identity. And, you know, when Steve Jobs talked about the design of the headphones for the, uh, at the time, the, the iPod, was it was very much, it, it, it was the only one that was white because headphones at the time were usually black. And it was the only white one. And he said it stands out. It, and it was a way of communicating your identity and you remember they did the when they first launched launched the um, new headphones with the iPod it was a black silhouette of a person with these white headphones and it was a sense of identity and if you look at what Apple communicates is it's constantly communicating that you are a certain type of person identity and that magic comment so the way you said that Apple people are superior I know it sounds funny but I think that's what Apple wants you to think you are superior because you have Apple and Android wants you to think that you technically get it more than the Apple guys. So I went for superiority and I have everything Apple because I, you are right, Ash. I am a superior human being. Thank you very much. Anyway, we're running out, we're running out of time. 
I could talk about me for days on end and I will do so in the next podcast. So with that, Ash, thank you so much for your time. I love this. If it's all right, um, do you want to, uh, how do we, can we share your LinkedIn on the, maybe the podcast? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Is that all right? Yeah, okay, cool. We'll give out your LinkedIn. So if anyone wants to talk to Ash about uh, the awesome structure around Ace, King, Queen, Jack, you got some ugly queens, I'm sure she can help. And if you're looking for that next king, I'm sure Ash can help as well. So with that, Ash, thank you so much for your time. Loved having you on. Thanks Stace, so much. Thank you so much. Stace, as always, thank you very much. And just to wrap up, my name's Nima, co-founder of New Republic with that young lady, Stacey. And uh, you've been listening to the new Change of Names podcast, not the New Republic podcast anymore. Now, the Digital Growth Hacking podcast. Tune in for the next one. Thanks very much, Ash. Awesome. Thank you, guys.